almost finished off the project. They had tried to dig under, but to no avail, because every time it rained, the water had risen up and threatened to drown the man working the face. In the end, they had picked their way through the wall with the ends of the spoons, stone by stone. His hands still bore the wheels of that desperate labour, and if they hadn't had Piers, a Yorkshire miner back in the time of peace, with them, they'd have given it up. But with those shoulders, Pierce could hack away for three. A commotion ahead of him, a small chain of whispers. Guard! Stop moving! In the sudden stillness, he could hear his heart beating. The noise of it seemed to cannon off the tunnel walls. He prayed, Oh, God, please don't let me die in here. He was no miner. He, for heaven's sake, was a clerk in a solicitor's office on the high street, which now suddenly seemed like the airiest place in the world. Someone coughed. That would be Stevens, whose lungs had been no good since he was gassed at Hill 60. Shh! For Christ's sake! The thump, thump of the guard's boots just three feet overhead came closer. The tunneler held his breath. The boots stopped. Had the guard heard something? The tunneler said another silent prayer to God. He had been in one POW camp or another in Germany for going on two years, ever since the counter-attacking Germans had picked him up concussed in that shell-hole at Luce. He had tried escaping by impersonating, badly, a German soldier, and walked through the front gate of Dulman Lager, and he had tried climbing the wire only to bump into the camp's canteen NCO on the road outside. Third time lucky. He needed this tunnel to be third time lucky. He hadn't volunteered in August 1914 to sit out the war in Germany, or work like a slave in one of Fritz's factories. Last week they'd brought into the camp a gang of Tommies who'd been working in the coking plant at K-47. They looked like the walking dead, and they were the survivors. They said four lads had been left dead by the wayside. There was something else, if truth be told. He had to rid himself of the shame of being a prisoner. He needed his self-respect back. Oh, he had done his bit in battling the Bosch in the camps. He refused to salute German officers in the way they wanted which turned him a rifle butt to the head and a week in cells. But only a home run would truly restore his reputation, in his own eyes, as much as anyone else's. Besides, he was aware that after nearly two years of being cooped up, he was beginning to exhibit symptoms of mouldiness, that overwhelming apathy that came over prisoners. In the barbed wire camps, when all spirit left men, sometimes... They just died. He'd seen that more than once. The rivulets of sweat crept down his face onto his moustache. A stamp of feet above his head. Then, at last, the drumbeat of footsteps making their mechanical march into the distance. Someone behind, panting desperately. He's gone. Get a move on, boys, for fuck's sake. The tunnel was at its tightest here and only by exerting all his strength could he haul himself forward. His damned knapsack, tied to his leg, dragged like a malevolent anchor. 
but he couldn't do without the rucksack. A rucksack was an essential prop for every escaper intent on passing himself off as a German civilian. Hall. Scrabble. Hall. Scrabble. Just when, in a pure panic, there seemed to be no exit, that the tunnel was going on forever, he was aware of fresh air on his face. Old Jenkins, a regular taken captive in the retirement from Mons, we never retreat, we regulars, Jenkins used to tell anybody unwise enough to ask how we ended up in the cage, must already be out. Yes, there was no shuffling sound ahead. Then he too was out into the night, popping up like a startled jack from the box. The stark arc lights of the camp were behind him, and there to the front, across the frosted field, was the road, its stone surface lit by moonlight. He could see no one else.